Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Holistic Health Chats. In this week's episode, I am speaking with the lovely Jackie Lamplew, women's health and fertility naturopath. Jackie and I recorded an episode last year all around the role of thyroid and thyroid health in fertility and preconception. So if you haven't listened to that one, please do go back and tune in if that's relevant to you. It was a great episode and we got so much fantastic feedback from it. So I decided to have Jackie back on the show. And in this episode, we are discussing what to do next when trying to conceive is not going to plan. So we cover when to seek professional support, common causes of both female and male fertility challenges, and also what tests to consider following recurrent miscarriage. Now, of course, given the topics and things that we are covering in this episode, it does come with a trigger warning because we are covering sensitive topics such as miscarriage. But if this is something that's relevant to you, I highly recommend that you tune in and have a listen. I guarantee there will be some gold nuggets in there or things that you had not thought of or come across. So please do tune in. And as always, if you feel that this uh, episode is relevant to share with a friend or someone else in your life, please do, obviously, of course, with this episode, only if you feel that it is appropriate. Now, before we jump into the episode, if you are currently wanting to get personalized advice to support you with your nutrition and hormones, the best place to start is booking in a complimentary consultation. So in this 15-minute consultation, you and I will meet via Zoom and we will discuss your current health goals or challenges and also what you can expect from consultations. We also cover the likely timeframe needed to help you achieve those goals together. And of course, we have time to cover any questions that you might have of me. So if you're wanting to go ahead and book in an initial consultation at the end, then we find a time for your initial consultation in that 15-minute appointment. But equally, if you need more time to think about it and you haven't quite made up your mind, there is absolutely no pressure to make a decision on the spot. To book in a complimentary consultation, all you need to do is head over to selendouglas.com forward slash links and navigate to the book section, or you can also find that link in the show notes as well. I hope to meet you very soon. Hi, Jackie. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Selene. Thanks so much for inviting me back. Excited to kind of be in the hot seat again. I know. I'm excited to have you back. So, if anyone hasn't listened, we did an episode last year sometime. It might have even been close to a year ago now. And it was all around the role of thyroid in fertility and conception, I believe, from memory. So, that was a great episode. There's actually been a huge amount of downloads on that one. So, if you haven't started there, go back and listen to that one. That's very good. Today, we're talking all about kind of the, the next steps, I suppose, when trying to conceive 
isn't going to plan because I don't know if this is what you see in clinic, Jackie, but certainly what I hear is basically that if, you know, a couple hasn't been able to conceive in the first one to two cycles and they go to their doctor to kind of, you know, want some answers and and look into what they can do next, they're kind of almost in some instances, I would say like shamed for going in too early and that they should just wait until 12 months. Is that what you hear? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's almost the doctor kind of looks at them and like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, come come back in 12 months time. Or And for a lot of women, you know, if you haven't conceived in the first couple of months, it starts to be, it starts to stress you mm. and starts to really worry you, concern you. It you know, is part of your thoughts every single minute. Why isn't this happening? Um, and waiting 12 months until you can Torturous. get to is just, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess if you're at that point, well, when when is it appropriate, I suppose, to go and get some professional advice around that? When do you think you should be seeking that? Well, anytime really. Yeah. <laughs> so you can definitely get professional help before you even start trying. And I that's really a big area, you know, of educating women about, you know, getting your bodies ready before you even start trying. Mm. So we can overcome any nutritional deficiencies or hormonal imbalances and get those all right. So when you do start trying, things happen a lot quicker. Yeah. So I usually recommend that you start seeing like a naturopath or fertility naturopath around about, you know, three to six months before you start trying, I think is a really good time to start, you know, working on improving your health, getting hormone balance and and being on the right supplements. But if you're already trying, if you haven't conceived in two to three months of trying, that's, you know, the perfect time to start reaching out. It's not to say that if you haven't fallen pregnant within two to three months, it's going to be really hard for you. I'm, I'm not saying that, but you get the ball rolling because yeah. tests take time and, you know, you've, you've got to start take, you know, working on your diet and charting your cycles. And when we're looking at male and female fertility, it takes about 90 days to grow a mature sperm mm. um, for ejaculation and about 90 to 100 days to grow a mature an egg for ovulation. So really our fertility is a reflection of our health three months ago. Mm-hmm. So if the sooner we can kind of get started on that, the better. And I know for a lot of, you know, GPs, they'll say, oh, well, you need to be trying for at least 12 months before coming and seeing me. Reach out to a fertility naturopath, you know, or a women's health naturopath, nutritionist, someone like that, because they're able to get that ball rolling for you a lot sooner than your GP. And they're yeah. going to be, you know, get you on the right blood test, talk about diet and lifestyle and all those really important things that you can start doing mm. to boost your fertility um, so you, you know, are miles ahead if you need to get to that 12-month point and see a GP. Yeah, and I think our well, our consultations are always very, very different to going to see a GP as well. And, and we also look at things very differently, I think, especially in, in the realm of hormones I don't necessarily think that a GP is perhaps even the the right person really for that conversation to happen and you go sorry Uh, I was going to say I read this really 
interesting quote once and it said not all doctors are fertility experts and not yes. all fertility experts are doctors yep. and it just really resonated with me because absolutely you're a general GP there are some that are wonderful with of hormones and women's health but there are others who probably specialize more in diabetes or mm. are more interested in cardiovascular disease so if you rock up to them you know at six months they're probably thinking oh I don't know what to do here yeah. And it's and you know we don't refer to a fertility specialist and, until you've been trying for, for 12, twelve months, and so that's yeah, yeah where they say oh you come back again later yeah definitely and there might even be like some really key foundational pieces that are, that are missing I suppose yeah. that you know that warrant you maybe not being at that point where you need to see a fertility specialist or something like that like as in an IVF specialist or something from the get-go as well so I think that that is a huge area and and I think I guess those key foundational pieces the diet and lifestyle and then something else which I know know you talk a lot about is also learning to recognize your fertile window as well because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of women that's really confusing because definitely our sort of demographic usually and sort of age bracket we did not learn that at school we were not we haven't spent the last like 15 20 years understanding ovulation and being like great this is my fertile window I'm not wanting to fall pregnant yet but at least I know it's these few days like no our clients generally are like what (laughs) I think this is it but I'm not really sure can you and and so I think that's also really important because it can get to a point where all of a sudden you want to have a baby and then it's like okay when I've got to learn this like fertile cervical fluid stuff should I be like gluten-free dairy-free should I like do I take Elevate I don't know like all of these things can happen before and then I guess if someone is struggling with conception or, or hasn't fallen pregnant in that first couple of cycles, like you said, what are your sort of next steps that you're looking at with someone? Yeah, my my first next step is always test. And, yeah. and that's a big motto of mine is like test, don't guess. You can, um, you know, work out imbalances and to a certain degree just asking women about their menstrual cycle and how long it is and what their flow is. But at the end of the day, we really need to do some quite thorough blood testing to work out kind of where are the imbalances? You know, are there any nutritional deficiencies? Is there something that we're not aware of that's going on? So my first kind of protocol is always blood tests. So there's quite a number. Do you want me to run through them yeah I guess the nutrients people are probably quite familiar but like mm. the other the hormonal tests and and those sorts of things definitely yeah so get your pen out <laughs> um, so I always want to see a baseline hormone profile yeah. so when we talk about baseline hormone tests we want to be testing on day three or four of your menstrual cycle so day one is the first day you get your period And then three or four is when you want to be testing hormones, Um, especially if you've got issues with ovulation, late ovulation, you don't know when you're ovulating. We always want to see day three or four because that's going to tell us baseline exactly what those hormones are doing and are there any imbalances. Mm. So we want our LH, our luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone, the hormones that are produced from the brain. Uh, We want to see our estradiol and our androgens, including testosterone. Mm -hmm prolactin and sex hormone binding globulin and DHEAS, which is a real anti-aging hormone. So especially if you're over the age of 35, it's really important that we know where your DHEAS is because 
If that's low, then there's a bit of a correlation to low egg quality. So they they both need to be quite nice. AMH, which is your egg count, um, is important. Maybe if you're 25 and struggling to get pregnant, we may not jump into it straight away, but definitely if you're over 30, um, getting an AMH is a good idea, but it's not always set in stone that a low AMH means you've got low egg quality and that's, yeah, something probably the whole topic on its own, but it gives us a bit of an indication on, you know, egg quality and and um, how well those ovaries are responding to the hormones from the brain. So they're those the hormones that you want done on day three or four and you probably notice progesterone isn't in that list mm-hmm. progesterone on day three or four should be below five because you yeah. you've not ovulated so you're not producing progesterone you, you're on your period i don't test progesterone until seven days post ovulation so this is where it's really important that you know when you're ovulating whether you're using lh strip but then again they can be a little bit misleading but preferably charting your basal body temperature to know exactly when you're ovulating so we can test that um, progesterone seven days after ovulation because that's when progesterone peaks and we want to catch it during the peak so if you've been told i'll just Test progesterone day 21. If you ovulate on day 14, day 21 is perfect. But if you ovulate on day 20, you need to be getting it tested on day 27. So that's, yeah, just one area where I can see often the timing is just not right with that hormone test. And if you don't get the timing right, you can often just get told misinformation or you're just not not kind of getting the right hormone profile to make any judgment on what's going on. So Getting yeah. it the day is really important. And that one can be a tricky one as well because obviously someone has to, like you said, know we have to be able to help you know which day you're ovulating to then calculate the seven days after. And that can, you need to allocate a little bit of time to working that out if you're not already charting that data because, you know, if you're if you're coming to see someone like yourself and not tracking your cycle and not tracking your cervical fluid changes, then, yeah, we're not, there's going to be a little bit of lag time in terms of when you can recommend that test, of course. Yeah. And, and that's okay because often I'll run the day three hormones and all the other yep. tests and then the following cycle, we'll do a progesterone because mm-hmm. I'll get them to start charting their basal body temperature. And you can tell a lot from a basal body temperature chart because our bloods tell us a snapshot on one particular day of our cycle. Yep. But our basal body temperature chart can tells us kind of what's happening on every day of our cycle to a certain degree. So Even so you can kind of see when ovulation is and you can see how long the luteal phase is, which is really important. Even if you've got a seven-day post-ovulation progesterone tested on the right day, you still don't know how long that luteal phase is. And the luteal Mm. phase needs to be at least 12 days in order to have a fertile cycle for conception. So I just love basal body temperature charting for so many reasons but it just gives you a really good snapshot on how long that luteal phase is what the progesterone is doing yeah. um, is it dropping off too early is it not even kind of reaching a peak and so that's why i you know i don't mind waiting like a, a little bit of cycle time yeah because yeah. you're already getting a lot of data um coming in 
Do you experience any difficulty in like getting that testing done, like you, with your clients via their GPs? Not so much. So mm. look, a very small percentage, but on the whole, I find like a lot of GPs are really quite um, happy to yeah. run them. A lot of these tests that I recommend are just part of a standard preconception care blood test that all mm. GPs know how to run anyway. And then I just tend to write a letter for my clients. And yeah. I always just tell women to just, if you go into your doctor's appointment prepared and knowing exactly what you want tested yeah being courteous and kind of course you know it goes a long way and a lot of the time you know the doctors are really quite happy to run mm. blood tests like you know the hormone blood tests and you just need to know that you need to done it on day three or four yeah. and then all your other um, blood tests that I recommend like iron studies and vitamin d a full blood count you know, they're really part and parcel of just a standard health checkup. Yeah. So a lot of doctors are happy with that. I also look for your fasting glucose and fasting insulin because we know blood sugar irregularities can have a big impact on egg quality and your ability to actually for that embryo to implant into the uterine lining. So that's really important and even more so important if you've got PCOS. Mm. I also look at inflammatory markers of C-reactive protein, homocysteine, because low-grade inflammation in the body, you might not even be aware that you've got it. But if you have, there is research to show that women who have a high C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation, are more at a higher risk of miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why I always like to kind of measure C-reactive protein because it's a really easy cheap blood test but can tell you so much yeah it's usually an one of the easier ones to get through the door I typically find some nutrients can be more difficult like I'd find zinc and iodine quite difficult copper iron and vitamin d are usually fine and then thyroid testing is like a whole other (laughs) a whole other thing usually Quite often you can get TSH or T4 and then if there's no prior history or medical or, or say family history, unfortunately, I think most often in my experience, the client's usually paying for that one if, if it's like indicated, I suppose, that that's something that we would want to be looking at. And I'm with you. I usually actually self-refer for a thyroid because yeah. I just know the doctors are never going to run the full panel, like the full panel, yeah. and I always like to see antibodies well yes and I respect that though and it's important to understand yeah, that the doctors course. are following many you know, schedule yeah yeah yep. so they you know they kind of have to abide by certain rules and I think it's important that we respect that and go oh, okay but that's that's fine because we've also got the option there's a lot of pathology labs where you can actually self-refer yes um, yeah the client recently yeah. that with yeah yeah and I think that's wonderful especially for women who uh, are wanting to get look at their fertility mm. in more depth and they find that their doctor is you know like oh no nah, you don't need that one oh no nah, you don't need that mm. one oh what's that one for it's great because you could get the bulk of it done bulk build through your gp yeah and then still prefer for just a couple of them, the full thorough panel thyroid yeah yeah so it just it really gives you a lot of options 
in regards to yeah getting the testing that you need and the testing that you want yeah definitely and I um recently actually I've been just to help I guess clients out from a costing perspective is I've been also asking them say if you go to see your GP and they're like I'm happy to do xyz testing but these ones over here I can't approve because of Medicare reasons um, I'll tell my client, just say, you know, that's okay, but could it please all be included on the referral? And then I'll just speak with the pathology nurse about what I want to pay for directly if there's anything that's not covered. The reason being is like we as practitioners use companies like Nutripath or iScreen and things like that, and they add on their additional yeah. costing to the test. Whereas if a client's just paying the pathology lab, they're, they're often like a lot cheaper, I've found, yeah. which I only sort of realised from my own testing once because I said to the pathology nurse, oh, I need to pay for that iodine test. I think it's about, you know, $90 or whatever. And she was like, oh, no, it's like a $40 test. It's nothing like that because I just paid her directly. And so, yeah, I started doing that recently and it does help, I think, to bring the costing down. Oh, that's such a great tip. Yeah. And just it's just about knowing to knowing yeah, what to knowing. say and knowing what to ask your doctor. That's right. That's yeah. right. I think, yeah, having that deeper understanding of like the the Medicare system is really important. And like I always explain to clients that like there's a particular criteria for each test and unless you which we obviously help our clients with in in the, the sort of wording that they're using with their GP, but unless you're mentioning that in your test say like for example iron might have you know previous history of deficiency heavy bleeding fatigue i don't know easy bruising pregnant postpartum all of the kind of key reasons why you could um, have iron deficiency unless one of those has been mentioned it's actually not uh, in my as my understanding goes not like legal for the doctor to actually approve the testing because they can be audited by medicare so i think that also helps to you know they're not in most instances they're not you know doing it just to say no to you yeah yeah and I think when you know sometimes you know there are some doctors out there who have heard like oh of course yeah you hear shockers (laughs) but on the bulk you know doctors are there to help you and they do your interest in mind and I think if we can go in there with like that respect for them and the understanding that you can't just say yes to everything, yeah. but what they do say yes to, well, that's awesome. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and having that, yeah, that just beautiful respect for our doctors because they do do so much for us. And yeah. um, I know, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do kind of my work quite uh-huh. as well as I do if I didn't have the support of some beautiful doctors. So Absolutely, for yeah. sure. Okay, so you're getting the testing done and then obviously depending completely on those results governs kind of like where you're going next with the client. Yeah, so definitely those results and then that first like basal body temperature chart and that's mm. usually, our, you know, once you've kind of got those two, then we we have a really good understanding of what's going on what we didn't talk about is male fertility as well yes let's talk about that <laughs> so it's really important that we consider them you know our the male factor is 50% of the equation to mm. actually a successful pregnancy and we know that male fertility can also contribute to miscarriage yep. so miscarriage and implantation failure is not just all on the woman the males play a big part too so again I always encourage that 
we get the semen analysis done for if there's a male partner involved, getting him tested at the same time, you know, the females are in those first couple of months. Mm -hmm. And what I usually recommend is just we just get a semen analysis straight off the bat because, yes, we could go down blood tests and things like that, but they're not going to tell us truly what fertility is looking like. We need that semen analysis because that's kind of going to tell us exactly what's going on and what we need to address. And then depending on the results from that semen analysis, we'll dictate on whether we need further blood testing done. Now, when you're getting semen analysis tested, we need to be asking for semen antibodies, so sperm autoantibodies and DNA fragmentation as part part of the semen analysis. A lot of the times the standard write-up is just morphology, motility and count. Mm -hmm. So how many... How good are they at swimming and what do they look like? But we do really want to see a DNA fragmentation and we do really want to see those sperm um, antibodies because both of them, if there's issues there, can be contributing to inability to conceive. And you don't always see issues within motility, morphology and count if the other two are high. Sometimes Mm. you can get a bit of an indication, you know, if motility is really low, but you've got a good count, you might think, oh, maybe there's antibodies happening, but let's just get it all tested at the start so we know exactly kind of upfront what's going on. Um, so speak to your doctor. Usually if you want a DNA fragmentation and the antibodies, you need to go to um, a specialised andrology lab, um, usually at like a fertility specialist Um, place they will be able to do that testing and so sometimes you can self-refer for those as well and like most like fertility naturopaths nutritionists can also refer for semen analysis so investigate those two options as well yeah definitely I think it's so important to really have that understanding and mindset of it being 50 50 because the reality is like it it is and for too long it's just always been you know put on the woman's health to as kind of like the the only thing of importance what sorts of things do you um do if it is the semen antibodies are present like what what are the next steps there yeah so it depends on how to what kind of extreme the antibodies are usually And it also, um, you need to kind of have a chat with the couple as well. So Mm. I've got a couple of couples I'm working at who have autoantibodies that the male does. And the way that we've approached it for each couple is quite different. So one of them, one couple are quite mindful of the age of them. They're trying for their second child Mm. and they're quite mindful of their age and they just kind of want things to happen now. They've been trying for almost a year for the second one. And his sperm um, autoantibodies were over 50. So we've chosen to kind of go straight down the fertility specialist mm-hmm. route. Mm-hmm. Usually if there are over 50, that's when it is kind of quite clinically appropriate to see a fertility specialist about it. And, and Yeah, and what they would do is there's a couple of ways they will treat it because you can absolutely get pregnant with sperm antibodies. It's just harder to do it with natural conception so they'll they'll usually kind of send you into IVF or sometimes they can just wash the sperm and do an insemination cycle if it's less than 50 or if the couple kind of are happy to try 
naturally for a little bit longer, then we've got time to kind of try and treat it naturally. And you're really working a lot at the immune system. So really those basics of, you know, vitamin D levels going on and like an autoimmune paleo diet or at least removing like gluten and dairy out of Mm -hmm. the diet, those really kind of aggravators of autoimmune conditions. Um, And then just I like to kind of come in with lots of antioxidants and some herbal medicine to try and dull down that immune reaction. So whether that's Romania, Hemidesmus, Astragalus, and and trying to kind of, yeah, bring down those antibodies naturally um, to allow them to kind of potentially have, you know, success at trying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, that's definitely not something I think that's spoken about a lot. I think even Mm -hmm. in general, like the male factor side of things is not something people look into a lot. I don't think potentially before going straight to say that appointment with their GP and, you know, perhaps being referred to a fertility clinic or or IVF or what have you. Yeah. 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 And it was like you said, just that in the past we've always focused on the woman it's Mm. always been the woman and I I do see a lot of that changing now like talking Mm. to clients there are some where I kind of mention oh you know it would be great if we could get a semen oh yeah absolutely they're more than happy to do that and so it's really great that guys are getting on board these days and Mm. and identifying that they actually play an important part in this and are quite happy to get a semen analysis done so yeah you can kind of see how that is yeah really changing Changing. yeah yeah that's great and then do you normally do like joint appointments with your with your couples yeah so usually the first appointment because it's like 90% (laughs) of the time it's always the female reaching out you know active and and wanting the best out of our bodies and everything like that so that's so beautiful so usually I'll have the consult with her first and I'll say, look, we need a semen analysis. And then usually the follow-up appointment, I'll have the two of them together because it would have given her time to get all her bloods done and I will just kind of write out a um, semen referral in that first consult and so he, he can get that done while she's spending the month getting all her bloods done and then we can kind of come together at that second appointment yeah. and go through it all. Yeah, beautiful. So we've kind of covered like where you go when conception hasn't gone to plan, I suppose, in that first couple of cycles and that you definitely don't need to be waiting 12 months to take mm. action. Um, I think that's really poor advice to be doing that. And also just from a mental health perspective, like I've definitely had clients, but even friends who um, have waited months and months and it is that they spend the whole time going, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with my body? Why, why is it happening for everyone else and not me? And sometimes it is perhaps more complicated things that need to be looked into, but it can sometimes be quite, quite simple. I'm not going to say easy, but simple things that need to be addressed. But I'd love to switch gears a little bit and talk about recurrent miscarriages and really kind of what we're looking at or what you're looking at with your clients in that instant. Yeah. Recurrent miscarriage is a really interesting one. Miscarriage is very close to my heart and Mm. I do really enjoy working in that area of recurrent miscarriage because I feel that I find that we're just testing enough on women and we can, you know, if we can find the reason why we can get really, you know, really good results for for women. And and it is, it's a matter of kind of finding, okay, why is this happening? Mm. And when we're looking at recurrent miscarriage, 
we're looking beyond hormones. And fertility is so much more than just our hormones. We've got the immune system involvement. We've got inflammation involvement. We've got blood clotting factors that we need to be looking at. So when we, you, if you've had two or more miscarriages, then what you need to be testing, we need those baseline hormones and we need a seven-day um, post-ovulation progesterone because low progesterone is linked with reoccurring miscarriage. So we do need those basic hormones. But immune system-wise, we, we're looking for any kind of autoimmunity because autoimmunity is going to um, make that endometrial lining really hostile. Mm and make it really difficult for a successful implantation. And often if there's an autoimmune um, component to the miscarriage, we start. that's where we see later miscarriages, so miscarriages that are after eight weeks gestation. The majority of miscarriages before eight weeks of gestation are usually issues with the DNA quality um, of the embryo, which is it's either coming from the egg or the sperm or both. And there is a certain amount of autoimmunity that can happen with implantation failure or recurrent miscarriage. But often we see that in miscarriages after eight weeks of gestation. If you're miscarriaging after then, then looking at autoimmunity is really important. <clears throat> and we're looking at, you know, your thyroid antibodies, celiac disease, lupus anticoagulant, and anti-nuclear antibodies as well. Okay. So really important to look at. We need to look at blood clotting factors because some women can have issues with um, blood clotting. Maybe they clot too early or maybe they've got bleeding tendencies and that will impact the ability of the embryo when it implants to get and establish that really healthy blood supply and nutrient supply between mum and bub. Mm -hmm. And if that's a nice free-flowing highway, then we can get issues there as well. I always like to look at inflammatory markers, so C-reactive protein and urethrocyte sedimentation, right? Two very easy and cheap blood tests to get, um, but can be so, so important. Um, the other one is infections. Mm. So you need to have a sexually transmitted infection test done, but also ask for uroplasma and mycoplasma because they are considered sexually transmitted infections because that's how we <laughs> transmit them, but they're not tested in your standard STI check. And there is a lot of research showing the link between these two different infections and infertility, recurrent miscarriage and um, pregnancy complications. So we, so that's another really important one. And then we need to look at genetics. So both male and female need to have an extended karyotype test done. Um, so that is looking at their basic structures of their XX and their XY. Um, we want to test MTHFR. Mm -hmm. So if you're not familiar with MTHFR, it's how well we activate our folate within the body. And folate, as we all know, is super important in making DNA and growing a healthy um, baby and pregnancy. And about 50% of the population have an MTHFR mutation to some degree. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we identify, okay, if you have it, and then we need to get you on the right dose and the right form of folate. So it's not a big deal. We just need to change those things up. Mm -hmm. There's also like factor V Leiden, which is involved in blood clotting as well. That can um, be a, a genetic component as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so when we're looking at recurrent miscarriage, 
it's so much more than just hormones. It's yeah. In, it's in, inflammation, it's autoimmunity. And I had a, a client come and see me and she had had seven miscarriages. Oh, that's devastating. And my goodness, I can't, you know, I had one and that just absolutely broke my heart. So I can't imagine how she went through seven and she's just such a beautiful, beautiful lady. And so she came to me and, and her fertility specialist had kind of said, well, uh, maybe surrogacy or adoption are your only options. And she said, when she approached me, she a friend had told her about me and she said, look, I'm not looking for miracles, but maybe if you had any suggestions. So we chatted and what struck me was here is someone who's been working, you know, with a fertility specialist, had seven miscarriages, and she just hadn't had any not, I won't say any, but she had very limited testing done around why this could have been happening. So we kind of did the blood test for her. She had raised thyroid antibodies. Her TSH wasn't great. She'd had thyroid antibodies, but her TSH had been below four, which the doctors mm-hmm. considered normal. But this particular time when we tested, it had jumped above four, mm. which was a real godsend for us too, because we could get her on some thyroid medication reduce these thyroid antibodies that you know are likely and and she had a couple of other things kind of going on but it was really just a very autoimmune yeah case case, yeah yeah. and so we just worked on that whole autoimmune component for her and yeah within two or three months it didn't take long I know I told her okay just don't get pregnant for the next few months while we work on balancing everything out and reducing this overstimulation of the immune system and I remember after two months she's like I'm pregnant and I was like I'm not sure if we're ready for this, but I can say that to her. But in my head, I was like, oh, I don't know if we're ready. Anyway, yep, she was ready and oh, successful pregnancy all the way to term. And she had her baby in about in February this year. I've got goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. I know it gives me goosebumps too. Um, every time I hear that story because she was just so deflated when I first met her and then just to, you know, kind of see, just watched her like grow in confidence yeah. in her body over that time and so it just goes to show how important it is to get the proper testing done absolutely a lot of the time you know medical professionals will say well you need to have three miscarriages before we can do it's just it's so frustrating it's always like let's wait until it's a Mm. really dire situation before we start taking action like the sheer mental load for a woman to go through three miscarriages before anyone starts like looking into it further is disgusting yeah yeah 100% agree I usually and but if you've even had one reach out because there's things that we can start doing and get you know like I said you know some of these blood clot like blood clotting factors I, I probably don't usually test until you've had two but I definitely do not wait for three but there's so many other aspects that we work on as if you've had one you know we are looking at progesterone levels we we need to be working on egg quality yeah. and sperm quality because in reality that's the majority um, reason why we do lose pregnancies mm. um, we can start looking at you know autoimmune conditions nutritional deficiencies and all these things so yeah definitely don't feel oh gosh you know there's no support out there there's (laughs) yeah and just that you know just the mental load you know I had another client of mine she came and saw me after she had had two and she 
just felt so unsupported and unheard because the doctors kept saying, no, you've got to have one more. And emotionally, she she couldn't handle another one. She's like, I can't do this again and hope that after I can get more testing done. And she was just kind of looking for just some some kind of help um, because she was just really struggling. And for her, you know, Again, it was just doing some simple testing. Mm. I truly believe for her it was just the MTHFR because we got her on, we identified it, got her on the right um, folate dose and the right folate form. A lot of all her other bloods looked fine and we just changed that and, again, fell pregnant quite um, soon and, yeah, successful pregnancy carried to term. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's really important as well for women to know, even if you are working with, you know, another fertility specialist or going through IVF, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like it's really okay to also seek additional support, whether it's from someone like yourself, nutritionist, naturopath, because we do look at things quite differently. And I have had like, I mean, I have not a huge portion of my clients are sort of IVF and fertility clients, but a fairly substantial amount are. And even just some really simple things I've seen get kind of like overlooked. Like in the last couple of years, I've had quite a number of clients that had quite severe insulin resistance. And even something as like really foundational as like, that metabolic inflammation being present, of course, the CRP is going to be the high high sensitivity CRP, which you mentioned earlier, is elevated. The insulin's elevated. That's affecting egg quality. And sometimes even just as simple as like addressing those dietary factors and perhaps introducing some supplements to improve egg quality has been enough that they've been able to, A, they've seen a massive increase in the amount of viable eggs for collection, but then also have gone on to you know carry and and deliver a healthy baby and and it's not always really simple things but sometimes it it can be right so I think it's really important to know you you don't have to choose like I'm doing the natural route or I'm doing the you know IV you know IVF or ovulation induction or whatever it is like you can really marry the two quite well yeah you can and I, I love it that they are starting to be more incorporated too. And there are some um, wonderful fertility specialists who do, you know, recommend turmeric and are are aware of MTHFR and activated folate. And it's really nice that, you know, a lot of them are happy for their clients to be on supplements or seeing Mm -hmm. a natural nutritionist and, and just, yeah, I I think they just work so well kind of hand in hand because the fertility specialists are brilliant at what they do. Of course. And if we can kind of help them with that nutritional lifestyle component, you know, the the success rate does increase. So, yeah, it's a beautiful combination. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think like the take-home message from this episode is really like you don't need to wait until you're in a situation where you're really desperate to seek help, whether, I mean, in an ideal world, you don't even have to be in a situation where you have not successfully, like you can seek help proactively, right, and get help before you start wanting to conceive. But not everyone does that, and that's also perfect and fine as well. Um, But ultimately, like wherever you are in that timeline, you can seek help. You don't need to wait until 12 months. You don't need to wait until you've had three miscarriages to look into things further. Really, really important, I think, that you can get help early. And then I think also from that mental health perspective, you also feel like, oh, I'm not just in limbo. Like 
waiting to see what happens next, right? Like I'm also, I, I am proactively taking action on this. Yeah, 100% because if you don't change anything, nothing's going to change and yes. that can be the biggest struggle. And, and what we don't want to see is women feeling like they're doing it on their own yeah. and, you know, dealing with that emotional roller coaster that each month can bring. So, yeah, definitely, you know, reach out for help and there's lots of people out there willing and wanting to help you. So reach out for help and um, just, yeah, it helps you not only fall pregnant sooner, hopefully, but just that mental health component and feeling empowered on your journey is huge. Yeah, definitely. I've loved this conversation, Jackie. Before you go, I would love if you could tell us more about your new program, which you've launched this year I believe um, which looks amazing so I'd love if you could tell us a little bit more about that and where um, people can also find out more about the program. Thanks Elaine yes absolutely so Conceiving Naturally Method I launched this year just recently and it's a 10-week online program um, where I take you through exactly what you need to know and do in order to boost your fertility and fall pregnant naturally. So everything that we spoke about today in regards to, you know, what blood testing do you need, um, how to chart your basal body temperature, you know, what should you be eating to improve your uh, fertility we talk about in the conceived natural method and it's exactly what I take my one-on-one clients through, but I take you through kind of step-by-step over 10 weeks on helping you understand your body better, understanding your fertility better, helping you kind of find the reason why you haven't fallen pregnant yet, Mm -hmm. overcoming it with, you know, supplement plans and treatment plans. Yeah. So you can go on to have that beautiful, healthy pregnancy that, that you so want. And yeah, so it's, at the moment, we're halfway through our first intake. Um, so you have live Q&As with me every single week. So I'm kind of there answering your questions and helping you every step of the way. Um, there will be another intake again in the next kind of three to four months. So if you are interested, um, head to my website, www.jackielamplu.com, and you'll see the um, wait list for the Conceived Naturally Method. So just jump on the wait list and you'll be first to know when the doors reopen. But, yeah, have a read through. It it is really your kind of A to Z guide on boosting fertility and falling pregnant naturally. Amazing. I think it's definitely needed, definitely needed because, yeah, there's a gap there for it and I think a lot of questions that go unanswered. So it's wonderful that you've created that resource for people. I will put all of those links in the show notes. But, again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time and expertise today. My pleasure thanks so much for having me on and yeah lovely chatting with you as always thank you for listening to this episode of holistic health chats if you enjoyed this episode i would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in itunes as this allows me to help more women just like you holistic health chats is not intended to replace medical advice so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.